Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where a turkey is a bad person. I'm your host, the too cool for this planet, Bob Mackie, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert and do you feel do, do, do you feel do you feel Henry can't get the pig out. And who is our special guest? I don't trust anyone over 30. I'm Alexi. Smiling politely. <laughs> and today's episode is Homer Palooza. Quit jiving me, turkey. You got to sass it. A turkey is a bad person. Wow. And today's episode aired on May 19th, 1996. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. Boy, Bobby, the space shuttle Endeavor launches for the 11th time. How Stella got her groove back tops the New York Times bestsellers chart, and Paul Hogan and Elijah Wood team up with a disobedient dolphin in the film adaptation of Flipper. Wait, who was in that movie? Paul Hogan and Elijah Wood. They didn't call it Crocodile Dolphin? (laughs) Uh, They paid for that Flipper license. They're going to use it. I guess so. No one wanted Flipper to come back. I know. In 1996, who cared about... Anytime Flipper aired on Nickelodeon in the 90s, I was like, well, I have to watch anything else. I was like, uh, I'll take a Dennis the Menace, please. I don't want the Flipper to happen. Uh, Is there anything else stand out in that news? This is a bad week. Uh, Well, I had to split the news here because you're going to hear some more things that happen next week. Or this week, next week on the, the, the time. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it more. <laughs> now. I mean, uh, on May 19, 1996, my life peaked as a human because mm-hmm. there were two season seven episodes of The Simpsons on the same night. This and Summer of Four Foot Two. Oh my God! Yeah, Great did episode. life get any better? They just burned them off for the season finale. Us a hot hour of Simpsons. I mean, how Stella got a group back? That was a good. That was a, a some sexy beach readings for moms. It was. Yeah. It, it was the Fifty Shades of Grey before that. Uh, of its time, <laughs> don't delegitimize uh, how Stella got her groove back. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't glorified Twilight fan fiction. Th- that is true. <laughs> I- I'd rather read it. Uh, I know the film a bit better, which uh, I think I believe. Man, who is the sexy dude in it? Is it Tay Diggs? I was right. It was Tay Diggs. I remember correctly. T- Tay Diggs is the sexy young man who gives Angela Bassett her groove back, while uh, Whoopi Goldberg is the uh, the funny friend hmm. in it who who cheers her on. To get to go and get that groove back. 
to Flipper's credit, it, it, it did bring back that song Roll With Me by Delamitri. What? Oh my god, I didn't know it went away. <laughs> Never left my heart. Jeez, I remember cutting the lawn while listening to that song a lot on the radio. I don't know why. It's got a really creepy video where they're all babies. Have you seen this? Yes! Yeah, Ooh. Beavis and Butthead watched it, and they did not care for it. <laughs> no. Flipper and the film Lightning Jack were the 90s attempt to like, we can still watch a Paul Hogan movie in the 90s, right? And right. the world said no. Yeah, get him back in that vest or yeah. it's uh, no deal. And he wouldn't get another movie uh, really again until a, a series of car commercials repopularized the Crocodile Dundee character and then they got to make Crocodile Dundee goes to LA. Mm, that's a that's a debacle. Uh, I hope it, we never get to talk about it again. No. <laughs> so our special guest uh, Alexi, first time, long time and for this episode we have a honest to God rock star in our midst. Mm-hmm. So uh, Alexi, tell us about who you are and uh, what you do and uh, all the good stuff. Oh, my name is Lexi and I'm in a band in San Francisco called The Y Axes. I'm a singer in that band, and I also go to shows alone, and I have a video blog where I go to shows alone, essentially, and interview bands and watch them and creep them out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) They seem to take it rather well. And I mean, podcasting, not to uh, uh, upset you, podcasting is the new rock and roll I've heard, (laughs) except for the the sex and the drugs and the money and the legitimacy, (laughs) and uh, people don't really know what I do when I talk to them. So that's that's like a modern band, then. Oh, really? (laughs) It has the obscurity of a modern rock band. Excellent. Wow. No, these, uh, yeah, I mean, the the rock bands in this episode were like the last ones to have mainstream super success. No, nobody else got to be a rock star after the ones in this generation, I think. Very true. Uh, not to not to speak ill of your, your profession, Lexi, sorry. The slices yeah. of the pie were much bigger to be had. My profession. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're both a rock star and a Simpsons fan. Like when, what came first, the, the Simpsons enjoyment or music enjoyment? Almost simultaneously. Mm. I uh, started watching The Simpsons when my bedtime was 8.15. So on Sunday night, I could only watch half an episode. Wow. That's strict, man. I mean, they weren't very strict in general, my parents, Mm. but uh, something about those random rules. They're like, 8.15, go to bed. That's that's bordering on abuse, I'll say, to not let a child finish a TV show. That's what I keep saying. (laughs) I hope you've forgiven them after all these years. I mean, we we always bonded over The Simpsons. Okay. So uh, in some way, like once it started airing, at like, you know, 6.30 and 7.30 on Fox. The forgiveness came over time. (laughs) (laughs) Were you taping the episode? Uh, We weren't really taping them. We just, they would just always be in syndication. Mm. Like every day, five days a week, plus Sunday at eight. It was just like, you get, what is that? 11 episodes a week of Simpsons, like without fail. (laughs) It was a bounty of Simpsons at that time. And uh, what was the, do you remember what the first episode you saw was? Oh man, it would be really hard to say. Mm. I mean, if I'm, if I'm thinking chronologically, I would say something like, you know, the babysitting episode, which mm. not, not the Lisa one, which is really great, but the, no, uh, the like bandit. babysitter bandit. Yeah. That's pretty early. If pretty you were early. watching that, uh, Jebediah Smith. first run. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to ask everybody, this is an episode about music, and I don't think we've talked about this before, but what was your first uh, album you bought? I really want to know this. Mm-hmm. They're all, they'll all be embarrassing. Mine, maybe not. I don't know. I maybe have uh, said this before. I think back at it. The first CD I bought, I believe, was uh, Aerosmith's Get a Grip, mm. which had all the big uh, Alicia Silverstone hits in it, uh, and, uh, and Cow Waters on the cover. I think that was it. And if it 
wasn't that, then it was a cassette tape. That was the first one I remember I bought as my choice of this is an album for me. It is not a cassette tape my mom buys for us all to listen to like Weird Al or Simpson <laughs> sing the blues together. Uh, but the first album I truly obsessed over, it was not Aerosmith. It was it was They Might Be Giants Flood, like all <laughs> mega nerds. That was the one I listened to all the fucking Why is the world in love again? So the They Might Be Giants, I, I just fell down a, a rabbit hole. Like, I'll listen to one They Might Be Giants song on YouTube two hours later. <laughs> uh, I guess I should just listen to all of the Apollo 18 album. I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> You're running into like the uh, the tiny tunes animations of all of oh, them. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> they, they they hold up. That was why I bought Flood because it could because of the music videos on Tiny Tunes for sure. Um, for me, it was uh, Crazy Sexy Cool by TLC. Oh, nice, nice choice. But also a single of Water Runs Dry by Boys to Men. Mm. Yeah, very good. And then uh, the first CD I ever had was a Saturday Morning Cartoons cover album. Hell yes, That's I had that. Collective Soul doing the Bugaloos yep. and Hong Kong Fooey by Sublime. Oh man, that's a great, great album. <laughs> My, I love the Revan Horton Heat doing Johnny Quest. That was really good. And also the, uh, I forget who did it, the Popeye one I really like a lot too. And the Ren and Stimpy one that closes it out. Oh, yeah. I, I like, honestly, the whole album I listened to. It was in my in my five disc CD changer right next to each other was the Saturday morning mm-hmm. covers album and then the Schoolhouse Rock covers album. And that is from this era, like mm-hmm. from this uh, alternative era. As for me, <laughs> I'm going to break it up so Weird Al does not count. Weird Al, I mean, I love Weird Al, but I mean, I think a lot of kids first not fair. The Jurassic albums, Park album. <laughs> uh, God, I think my first Weird album was actually Polka Party. I bought one of his 80s albums first because I was like, I've never heard these songs before. And it's like, I don't know what they're parodying, but they're pretty funny. Those polkas are great. They're, they are. I love the polkas. But my first album uh, on cassette that was not Weird Al was Elastica's self-titled debut. Nice. Which I think is still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think my first CD, I bought a bunch of CDs in, in 1996 around May when I got a CD player. And I believe I got, uh, of course, Weird Al's Bad Hair Day. Mm-hmm. It was new at the time. Uh, the Peaches single from the Presidents of the United States of America. Oh, yes. oh yeah. And uh, what's that? Oh, I heard it's a metaphor for something, but uh, no, I it still don't be. get it. <laughs> and uh, Space Hogs in the meantime, and I stand oh. by all of those choices. Mm-hmm. And I've never. Uh, I'm old, by the way. I feel quite old, feeling excitement <laughs> over all of those albums. Yeah. And I Let's listen s- to Space Hog. <laughs> I can see the covers of all of them in my head. Of like, yep, that was my. I yeah. remember that CD. I remember that CD. Mm-hmm. It's it's. You see the Frankenstein uh, eating the cereal. Uh, yes, yes. The schools don't teach kids about Space Hog. <laughs> it's an important part of the 90s. This episode, let's get into it. Uh, some pre-production stuff. The story is by David S. Cohen, the weirdest. Like, why would David S. Cohen, the mega nerd who would co-create Futurama, write a, come up with a story about a rock concert? But he did. But it was written by Brent Forrester, his last, sorry, Brent Forrester, his last show for The Simpsons. Uh, he went to Lollapalooza to do research, and he hated it. Uh, he said he said at age 27 he felt too old for the show in general. Like he felt like he was like the dad there. Um, we see a lot of his experience in the episode. He was hassled by security guards all the time. He had to throw all of his things away when he got there, and. He was using a recorder, a tape recorder, to take notes about the show. Just, you know, recorder's observations. And when he was doing that, someone came up to him and said, how's it going, Narc? <laughs> so that is that is captured in this episode perfectly. Uh, this, this episode hit at just the right time for all these bands. Like, it was in, like, the, the afterglow of Nirvana being big, but all these bands had kind of 
Transform like Sonic Youth and Smashing Pumpkins, both it got so many like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Oh yeah, had just well not just come out but was relatively new. It was it was huge too. Yeah, and Cypress Hill like. I did not own any of their albums. I was I was a scared white child. <laughs> I was like, oh, my dad might not like this. Uh, but I listened to the. I watched the music video a million times and loved it. And seeing all of them in the same episode, I was like, this also let you know that The Simpsons was a this was a younger staff than the previous season. Like the, no offense to Merkin or Al Jean and Mike Reese, but they wouldn't have had these. Dave Merkin had on his in uh, James freaking Taylor. Like That's that true. was his generation of music. He would not have had on the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> ever. And one other uh, pre-production note is that Ken Keeler. He wrote a lot of the songs for The Simpsons and a lot for Futurama. In fact, he won an Emmy for We Put the Spring in Springfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wrote a parody of Nine Inch Nails Closer for this episode, and that got cut, Aww. which I want to know what that was like. He says it wasn't very good. <laughs> so uh, he wrote a song for Two Bad Neighbors. That got cut. He wrote mm-hmm. a song for A Star is Burns. That got cut. And this got cut as well. So very, very few of these songs he wrote <laughs> actually made it to air. And uh, we've talked many times about how Oakley and Weinstein, when they were running the season, they said they wanted to copy season three. And one thing that's in season three is the star fucking episode that's all about the, uh, in that case, softball with every major yeah. league baseball player. Oh, so good, though. This is their major league baseball episode, which it is. It's it's great in its own way. But in both those cases, story is second to guest stars. Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> this episode has nothing as good as Daryl, I will say. That, that. is true. No, no, Very fair. true. No one is mock so soundly. They got like five stars for this. <laughs> I don't know you, but... Yes. <laughs> and also, no voice, no rock star in this is as good an actor as Daryl Strawberry. That's true. Uh, though I think they're a little too harsh on this in the commentary. Like, they, yeah. they think this is one of their weaker written episodes. Bill Oakley, yeah. uh, co uh, EP, says we shouldn't have given this a family story. Uh, the family mm. story kind of emerges out of nowhere in the third act. Like, now Bart needs to, or sorry, now Homer needs to impress Bart for some reason. <laughs> but yeah. you, you forget about that when you sit down and watch this episode. You're not worried, will Bart respect Homer? <laughs> and uh, in the aftermath of this show, uh, the bands like Smashing Pumpkins have broken up multiple times, so they are now on a reunion tour. They, except for Darcy, she is not back, but Jamie Ha and Chamberlain are back. But apparently, she has not spoken to Billy Corgan in like twenty years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I wonder why. Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. uh, meanwhile, Sonic Youth has been disbanded for, since uh, the 2014 divorce of Kim Gordon and Thurston Aww, Moore. They are so happy together. <laughs> uh, Cypress Hill is still going strong, though. Right. Although all the original members in their 50s still touring around doing the Cypress Hill thing. Cool. And Peter Frampton as well is also coming alive around America to this day. Do you? Do you feel? <laughs> Do you feel? God, I just love that. So, on on uh, the OSW Review podcast, they mentioned that many times, too. Just it's So anytime something isn't working in a wrestling mm. show, they'll joke about, like, Do you feel? Do you feel? (laughs) So this episode opens with, uh, it gets started off like in 20 seconds we have the catalyst for the rest of the story. It is is Otto basically destroying the the school's apparently one bus that's for every child. (laughs) Or maybe just, uh, I guess guess it is for the entire school because Bart and Lisa both need a ride to school. Yeah, and the the opening with Otto, it's also funny that Otto, (laughs) Otto is the rocker of the show, but he's not really, he isn't one of the concerts, but he's, he would have. He was the connection to the rock in the previous episode yeah. about this with the, with Spinal Tap. 
Mod Vision. The Auto Show killed Auto. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately. Well, I would say that Auto also is kind of a man out of time at this point because he he is an '80s hair metal rocker, mm. and by 1996, the least cool thing you could be was an '80s hair metal guy. That's like true. In, by '96, I think Metallica had shaved off their locks. They're like, this is we can't we look lame with long hair. Yeah, '80s doesn't get cool until like 2002 again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it finally comes back around, which. Uh, they also, speaking of beginning on a cool, watching this episode at 35 is oh. not fun. And I don't <laughs> like that I am now, I have gone from watching it at Bart's age to watching it at Homer's age. I'm, uh, I'm now Jay Sherman's age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, though at least I'm not Jay Sherman's height. I am his weight, but mm. not. <laughs> also, though, this episode, like Wes Archer and his team do an amazing job all over the place in this. And it starts with the bus crash. Uh, the, them running out of the bus <laughs> as it is being crushed yeah. is that's why you take those drills where you jump out the back of the bus in school. You have to learn how to escape from things crushing it Conveyor from the front. Yeah. And uh, and also at this point, it seems that the writers have really struck on that. A good running gag for Marge is reading notes from school. Yeah, <laughs> out loud. So, um, who's good at keeping secrets? Dear parents, due to yesterday's unscheduled field trip to the auto wrecking yard, the school bus will be out of commission for two weeks. By reading this letter out loud, you have waived any legal responsibility on our part in perpetuity throughout the universe. Hmm. Well, we'll have to organize a carpool. Hey, every day will be like a road trip with your dad to school. <laughs> I think I think Marge read two letters in a row that are just out to insult her, <laughs> either uh, her rights or her profession as a homemaker. Is this Marge reads a note oh. and then? Ends with a grumble. I uh, so being embarrassed by parents in front of school chums. Anybody else suffer through that in, mm. in childhood? I think everybody in some yeah. way. <laughs> I think my parents worked too much to ever interact with the school in me. I was just uh, they were in their own realm, and I mm. never the, the paths never crossed. My dad didn't uh, do much of that, uh, but my mom did a bit, and she would. I would be the like mom, stop <laughs> like that. Not so much embarrassing me with her old music taste, but. T- Telling stories, I was like, this is embarrassing to me. What comes to mind for me is um, actually my, my friend's embarrassing me in front of my Grammy. Because, you know, uh, I want my Grammy to think I'm, you know, wholesome and innocent <laughs> and all that oh. stuff. And then the, sh- 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 yeah, the shit that come out, come out of their mouth, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you can't be <laughs> saying that in front of my grandmother. I remember once she even was like, after she dropped off one of my friends, I'm not going to say who, who knows if they're listening. But she was like, that is the rudest girl I've ever met. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and that was shameful for me. So Aww. my Grammy never embarrassed me, but vice versa. <laughs> Grammy judgment. <laughs> The worst. They're they're picking up the kids. I completely forgot JD was in this carpool. She says nothing. She's just like cargo. Uh, But it's nice she gets to be there at least. Homer is starting to embarrass him. He's telling him about Jive. Jive. And uh, then he turns on the radio. KFSL, Fossil 103. Classic hits from ABBA to Zeppelin. Come on, land. We are winners and losers. This is Grand Funk Railroad. You guys back there know Grand Funk, right? (laughs) Nobody knows the band Grand Funk? The wild shirtless lyrics of Mark Farner? 
the bong-rattling bass of Mel Shocker, the competent drum work of Don Brewer. Oh, man. For more information on Grand Funk, consult your school library. So that was Grand Funk Railroad shining on. Uh, that is Bill Oakley's favorite band and favorite song. Man, it's, wow. I, Bill Oakley is so really? stuck in the past that he doesn't. He didn't listen to Sonic Youth, and uh, when that when that uh, Sonic Youth cover uh, pops up, he's like, "Why did you guys even like this?" And back then, he's like, "This is my favorite Simpsons cover ever." Uh, but yeah, uh, apparently, Grant Funk wanted them to use "We're an American Band," but uh, Bill Oakley was like, "No, I love this song." Only this one. But they don't get royalties for it for some reason. Oh, so, that's yeah. They got fucked on the on the songwriting rights, and so it's, uh, Bill Oakley cheated them out of money. <laughs> I mean, American Band is their their big yeah for band. sure. Yeah, but the uh, though I think Bart and Lisa should have realized it's actually cooler to like older rock and say these new bands are just ripping them off. Mm. Like Nirvana <laughs> smells like Teen Spirit is just a rip off of Boston. Man, they only play three chords. <laughs> yeah, they only play three chords. Uh, I also getting older is hearing Nirvana on a K Fossil type radio station. It's yeah, just, it's real. Yeah, it it sucks. I like, mean, Q one oh too like playing like you know st- stuff from like the late 90s I'm like really hard knock life really nah. <laughs> it's like when you see things on Nick at Night that shouldn't be <laughs> like, like, like this is Murphy Brown what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing 1999 is so recent isn't it it's like yeah I, I, I mean I when I finally realized I was the homer in this episode <laughs> was when it hit me that I was like I like hip music like Radiohead's OK Computer was so recent mm. oh 95 no. Uh, This was very hashtag relatable to me in 1996 (laughs) because as a kid, I was uh, Bart and my dad was a very Homer-like guy, graduated high school nearly the same year, but he was way into classic rock stations. Mm -hmm. And I was not because I would hear the same songs over and over. Only recently did I realize like, no, I I can like some music from the 70s, just not the songs I heard a billion times. Mm -hmm. So I I was like, I am just like Bart in this episode. And that's what really sticks with me here. Just like, can you not, can we just (laughs) listen to something else? Uh, from ages 8 to 10, I was obsessed with an oldie station in, when my family lived in Atlanta. But its time frame was 50 to 69. So I didn't hear these 70s rock songs. Like, I I learned every song that was played on this radio station, but they all kind of ended the 70s. So these 70s songs references, usually I was like, what? What is this? What's Grand Funk? Like, though... Uh, speaking of things I didn't get, like the multiple pot reference in this ep- episode, like <laughs> flew jacket. right over my head. Yeah, and the the bong rattling bass, I did not realize <laughs> what that meant. The just so you know about Grand Funk kids, uh, currently Mel and Don do tour with a younger Grand Funk. Uh, they are surrounded up, but Mark Farmer has done uh, solo work in some Christian rock, so he Mm. no longer tours with them. I see. So, but I mean, if you're if you're you're buying tickets to Grand Funk, know that you're getting that competent drum work and the (laughs) long rattling bass, but none of uh, Mark Farmer's uh, shirtless. Well, I can't return these tickets now. (laughs) (laughs) And also watching this, I can't stop thinking of how expensive all the music is. It's just like, yeah, yeah. What was the budget on this. We get some more classic rock and uh, Homer has to hear some harsh truths. And when I listen to a really good song, <laughs> I start nodding my head like I'm saying yeah. yes to every beat. Yes, 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 this rocks. And then sometimes I switch it up like 
No, 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 don't stop a rocket! Dad, please, you're embarrassing us. No, I'm not. I'm teaching you about rock music. Now, Grand Funk Railroad paved the way for Jefferson Airplane, which cleared the way for Jefferson Starship. The stage was now set for the Alan Parsons Project, which I believe was some sort of hovercraft. Dad, no one cares about any of your stupid dinosaur bands. You have the worst, lamest taste in music ever. I'm just trying to party with you guys. Homer, first of all, it's partay. And second, we wouldn't partay with you if you were the last dad on Earth. Aw. We were doing all the body movements yeah. in the yeah. room. It's the, like, that did teach me how to properly enjoy rock music. Like, yes, yes, yes. 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 No, don't stop no, rocking. Don't stop rocking. These were good suggestions by Homer, and they were wrong to reject this. And that was uh, Mississippi Queen by Mountain. Mm-hmm. As made popular by Guitar Hero. Yes. Yeah, by the way, all like this is this is what all of Guitar Hero was until like a few years into that series. This is why I didn't really like Guitar Hero. I'm like, yeah. I, I made this joke on several podcasts, but I was like, this this game is like taking a car ride with my stepdad. <laughs> I, I've done that a lot. I don't need covers of that. They were all the affordable ones, though. I, it, yeah. The more recent ones were the more recent songs were too expensive, and also they didn't have as many of the classical chords. Like doing first song I think of when I think of Guitar Hero is more than. A feeling and I'm, mm. I'm glad they got that over like I don't know Evanescence in the first uh, oh. r- release I felt bad watching this now too of uh, of feeling bad that I hurt my mom's feelings anytime I mm. might have told her like you're not cool like you're making me look bad or mom you're embarrassing me now I just feel I would, bad I would just make fun of my parents liking Jimmy Buffett my mom was a I, huge parent. I I feel still justified in that. Like, come on, let's 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 all call it a day on Jimmy Buffett. It's fine. He's got a restaurant. My mom's taste in music is actually really cool. Oh, I damn it! Listening to Punkorama and uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls, a lot of ska. Whoa, nice. Yeah, I can get down with that. You're skanking it up. Skanking in the backseat. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be right back. We know you're saving up all that money for a walk-in humidor, but why not take that money and give it to your buddies at Talkin' Simpsons? For just $5 a month, you can support us at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. And if you go there, you'll get access to every episode a week early and ad-free, including next week's season finale as the summer of Four Foot Two. Not to mention that you could get access to every episode of What a Cartoon a week early and ad-free. That's where we go through a different cartoon each week in the same Talking Simpsons style, you could hear us talk about Steven Universe, King of the Hill, Batman the Animated Series, and so much more. And you'll get early access to that as part of your Patreon support as well. Not to mention, if you give it the $10 a month level, you'll get access to special exclusive videos, including me and Bob's recent deleted scenes commentary for Futurama's first season. And coming real soon is our deleted scenes commentary for season seven. So we'll check all that out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons
We've got a message for Jimi Hendrix. Listen to our interview with Mike Reese. We interviewed Mike Reese, former executive producer of The Simpsons, who's worked on the show for over 30 years. And he just wrote a brand new book called Springfield Confidential, which we interviewed him about right on our podcast. It is really cool. A whole hour of him telling us tons of Simpson-y secrets. And if you'd like to hear the audiobook version of Springfield Confidential, you can get that for free on us. How? Go to audibletrial.com slash talking simpsons if you go to audibletrial.com slash talking simpsons and sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible audiobook service you'll get a free audiobook of your choice and may we suggest springfield confidential read by our recent guest mike reese it is tons of fun and you get it for free on your friends talking simpsons and a little bit of money gets kicked back to us all right now let's keep on rocking with this week's episode I've come to love this music more in a just classical sense, but I feel also feel bad for Homer. This is how I feel going into a we're a, we're a record store to exist now. I mm-hmm. go no, they actually do exist where we live, like uh, Rasputin and Amoeba. They're both still open in Berkeley. Well, now records are back. Oh yes, that's true. They're hotter than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing is that actually Homer's the coolest one in the room right now. Yeah, that's true. With all of his classic collections and listening to the King Biscuit Flower Hour. He, he wants to buy records. <laughs> the, the sign gag, I love it so much that to show you where they are at that time in music in 1996, Good Vibrations has turned into Suicide, suicide. Notes. <laughs> it's very, it's it's very Gen X. But uh, here is Homer at Suicide Notes. Where can I find the latest releases by Bread? Aldi's. Aldi's? <laughs> but you've got all the top bands in here. Sticks? I just heard them on the King Biscuit Flower Hour. <laughs> Now, here are some of your no-name bands. Sonic Youth, Nine Inch Nails, Hullabalooza. Hullabalooza is a music festival. The greatest music festival of all time. There can only be one truly great music festival a lifetime, and it's the Us Festival. The what festival? The Us Festival. (laughs) It was sponsored by that guy from Apple Computers? What computers? Why do you need new bands? Everyone knows Rock attained perfection in 1974. Mm-hmm. It's a scientific fact. There's a lot to get into there. So uh, I still feel like, why do you need new bands? 1996. I wanted to point out the first of many references to cigarettes in this episode. Mm, okay, yeah. The, uh, the magazine that the uh, record store clerk is carrying has a Laramie cigarettes ad on the back. And I was like... What? Why is that even there? You could have drawn anything there. Hmm. <laughs> I guess that, that reminds me at the time, like, the few places I'd see cigarettes ads in the mid to late 90s would be in Rolling Stone or Spin. Yeah. Like, you'd still get them in print at the time. <laughs> now it's just kind of dead. Yeah. But uh, let's get into the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Yes. Which yeah. It sounds made up, doesn't it? I was sure it was made up. No, it's real. Uh, <laughs> it was a syndicated radio show. Basically, what they did was they would record bands at concerts and then edit that into, like, a syndicated program. Program and produce it. It ran original programming from 1973 to 1993. So Homer for Homer, it ended three years ago, <laughs> and it ran reruns until 2005 when no one wanted to carry it anymore. Well, that's who would still be playing sticks then. Just any yeah. old rerun 
happened to have sticks on it, which... So Homer heard a rerun of the King Biscuit Flower and thought the sticks was still relevant. That's the joke. In 1996, sticks couldn't be more like lame but uh, the sticks had a big break over uh, one member of sticks wanting to make them rock operas and the other just wanting to be straight rock. Mm. And they eventually got back together. I think I think sticks is the greatest when they have to balance being a stupid gay rock opera with regular <laughs> cock rock. <laughs> but those were very accurate posters of the time of Nine yeah, Inch Nails yeah. and Sonic Youth. Like, and uh, how about the Us Festival? Uh, well, Homer's right. Yeah. I love that Homer, you think he's going to say Woodstock or, I don't know, some other famous one. No one has thought of the Us Festival since 1984, probably. He was a young man then. He was in his 20s. It's perfectly to fit his time. And it, uh, the guy from Apple Computers he's referring to is Steve Wozniak, the oh. other guy, mm-hmm. who uh, really got kind of... If you watch the Steve Jobs movies or read the book, he kind of got fucked over by Steve Jobs. Not that he isn't like a super duper millionaire, but he's not a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Which, as we all know from Social Network, is what's really cool is being a billionaire. For sure. <laughs> but and, yeah. Uh, the thing about Apple, like what computers? It's because Apple was sort of a joke uh, and a failing joke. Big time. Wow. And uh, so the iMac would launch in 1998, which would turn the company around in terms of uh, profitability. Uh, and Steve Jobs would go back to Apple in 1997. But in 1996, mm-hmm. They were just like a, a miserable failure with yes. like nothing good to offer anyone. Yeah, it was just seven months after this episode, December 1996, is when Steve Jobs sold his also kind of failing company, Next Computers, to Apple and rejoined Apple. Well, meanwhile, Steve Jobs was also kind of uh, investing in some no-name computer graphics company called Pixar. I don't know what they'd ever do. Uh, they went nowhere. Uh, no, by 96, actually, they'd gotten quite big already. <laughs> that is A true. lot of car cartoons, I heard. Yeah. Mm. They, they're the masters of cars. The big bands on the Us Festival, apparently, were the Police and Grateful Dead. and huh. They did it in 82 and 83 and then never again. I mean... Police, hey. A continued rock festival is not easy to do like it's to keep it going without a corporate sponsorship or some corporation taking over it otherwise it's it either has to be like a one-off thing or it just completely consumes your life you don't do anything else but a music festival after yeah that. by the time brent forrester went to Lollapalooza, it was a corporate event it was no longer yes. like the jeans addiction p- fun party time with freaks mm-hmm. well actually if you'd like to hear about Lollapalooza and the history of it i've got a quick clip here perry farrell started it uh jeans addiction front man in 1991 it uh, ended in 1996, but it kind of, it did return in 2003 and actually buy tickets to Lollapalooza show uh, in Chicago coming up soon. Ooh. In the early 90s, Harry Farrell awoke from a dream and said Lollapalooza, and the rest is youth culture history. Now, Perry's idea of a big traveling circus of alternative culture kind of gave way to commercial pressures after a couple of years. But it was a true gathering of the tribes, complete with splinter factions. And over the years, there were some Lollapalooza mainstays, things you'd always see. The mosh pit, the body piercings, the info booths, and of course, the rabid fans (laughs) rushing to the front. So then that clip, uh, it's a woman talking, but she's holding a giant camera, and someone is yes. clearly filming her. What's happening? It's, it's <laughs> very so odd. Like, yeah. All I know is it's for much music, and those the Canadian DJs uh, did things a little differently, yeah. I guess. Than Figure it did. out, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> At least Ed the Sock wasn't in that <laughs> clip there. But, uh, yeah, they have other clips. It's a, it's a cool little documentary from the time. I think that's from 96. And they have a clip of uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine talking about 
about how they get undercut by the Lollapalooza t-shirts. They're like, we can, we can't sell our t-shirts cheaper than Lollapalooza's t-shirts, mm. and they're twenty three dollars. So we're getting fucked by that. They are the sweetest plum. They, they are <laughs> right. The yeah. t-shirt t-shirt sales are where it's at, oh right? Gosh. Yeah, you get like forty dollars a shirt if you're like a real big old band. Mm. Ours are I think fifteen bucks, but that's just. But the merch, the merch is where it's at. Merch is where the money is. The ticket sales they go to the you know the ticket printers and the album sales go to like Apple, etc. Or uh, to Mr. Burns and Ticketmaster. Hundred yeah. percent service fee. <laughs> but the I so the next scene I, I really enjoy uh, because it is uh, I don't know like it echoes through the ages as the <sighs> one of the most perfect lines ever. What, what Abe says here. I think this is a uh, line of the episode. <laughs> yes, let's give it line of the episode. That's the joke. You make me feel like dancing. I want to dance the night away. What the hell are you two doing? It's called rocking out. <laughs> you wouldn't understand, Dad. You're not with it. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. No way, man. We're going to keep on rocking forever. 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 Hmm. What's wrong, homie? <sighs> I went to the record store today, and they were playing all this music I never heard of. It was like the store had gone crazy. <laughs> well, record stores have always seemed crazy to me, but it doesn't upset me. Uh... Music is none of my business. Yeah, it's fine for you, Marge. But I used to rock and roll all night and party every day. Then it was every other day. Now I'm lucky if I can find half an hour a week in which to get funky. <laughs> I really like Marge's sweet. It's like, it's none of my business. None yeah. of my business. Uh, I mean, that's that's the more sane way to go when you're getting older. Just like, I don't care. Pop music is none of my business. <laughs> For Marge, music ended when Ringo Starr and the Beatles broke up. Like, she does not, does not remember any of that. Though I don't know. With her love of Ringo Starr, maybe she would have gone and seen with some of the uh, trash Ringo Starr and the all-star bands mm. and bullshit. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the flashbacks to what a loser Homer was, but he still thinks he was cool. Uh, I really enjoy the, the the name of the van, the second base mobile. They're setting their expectations really realistically. Yes, it's it's like <laughs> say hello to the second base mobile. Even though that guy, he's a hunky dude, yeah. a hunky dude with an awesome van and uh like in a ball handling base, like he can do better than second base. And uh, that I think your cool Homer Simpson thing has happened to me before. So uh, that was like, me. That was me. Yeah. I, I, it's a very dazed and confused fat flashback too. Yeah. Uh, though anytime I see young Homer, I'm like, that's Fry. That's Philip J. Fry right mm-hmm. there. But, Basically. Uh, but the, it's such a great, another great licensed music in this of one of like 8 million in this is the Edgar Winters band Frankenstein. That's a song playing over the second bass machine. Like it's, it's so great. I watched a, uh, one of my favorite things to put on when I worked at a video store were basically music video compilations because now you just listen to music at work. Oh, yeah. And there was one that was a collection of this uh, British music uh, series called the, uh, the uh, Grey Whistle Test. And it uh, on that they had on 
Edgar Winter, and it's just Frankenstein, like, fully, and he's playing it live, and it's just him running from keyboard to keyboard and just, like, losing it. You're like, man, Edgar Winter is working hard. He's I, he's he's usually just the butt of jokes about uh, a weird-looking albino. <laughs> In fact, he will be run over by Homer for being a weird-looking albino. <laughs> you're right. In, uh, Coming Omega up soon. Band. Yeah, that's yes. right. I, I thought it was before this, but you're right, totally. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a great song, and and lastly, the animation on the strobe light effect of Homer moving closer mm-hmm. and then his immediate back to yeah, the end. Yeah, very well done. Oh, it's great. And But yes, it'll happen to you. They made this joke knowing that it w- it happens to all of us. Yeah, you age. Yeah. There's there's no escaping time. It's funny because uh, in this episode, uh, so my favorite local uh, music station at this time was Cleveland's 107.9 The End. And I found mm-hmm. out through research, every 107.9 is named The End no matter where you go <laughs> because it's the end of the dial. Isn't that clever? Oh. Uh, but they, they cut a promo for their uh, station with all of these clips, like Nine Inch Nails and We're Gonna Keep On Rocking Forever, Forever, Forever. <laughs> like, so much so much of this episode, I remember from hearing those promos over and over and over wow. again. So, yeah, I feel like, wow, they made a lot of hay out of that. That's another thing you noticed in the, in the Homer memories. His real problem, why he feels out of touch now, is that he misremembers that he was cool. He was never cool. He was singing along to... Leo Sayer. uh, Yeah, Yeah. he was not singing cool music. And these girls were being mean to him, but he was too stupid to know it. He was happy. He was happy. (laughs) He was blissful ignorance that Homer had. And though that's the same deal, like, Abe was never with it. Like, he was never cool. Even in his youth, he was not cool. Uh, he was just a, uh, a giant square, but that match cut to forever, forever. It's like <laughs> it's a punch in the gut for people in their 30s, I think. I agree. Uh, and and also, though, a, a key, an underrated line in that section there, too, is like, it was like the store had gone crazy. crazy. Yeah. Homer's just so, like, lost and confused. <laughs> had gone crazy. <laughs> a store going crazy is a funny idea. It was when, when Pan Flute became popular again. That was when I realized mm. I was no longer with it. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. I didn't realize. Was, is this really happening? That, uh, that, that Justin Bieber song that came out in, like, 2015. Oh, uh, man. Does Zonfier know about this? He's the master of the plant flute. He'll be so excited. Damn. <laughs> I hope he's not dead. Homer has got to find a way to get cool again, and they just drive right by Millhouse on the carpool lane, which I – that <laughs> felt like also another very real thing of, like, sometimes kids would just stink bad, and they don't know – they need a parent to tell them, you, you need to start by wearing yeah. clothes right now. You, you're a smelly child. <laughs> I'm okay today. I'm okay today. <laughs> and uh, then Homer reveals what a cool day he really is. Looks like your uncool dad scored tickets to Hullabalooza. <laughs> Bart, these look real. Check the authenticator spot. This is an authentic <laughs> Hullabalooza ticket. For authentic refreshment, eat Clark Bars. <laughs> and for totally outrageous glass rings, it's Justin's. Go, Justin's. You're not going to school today. Today, your classroom will be the Capital City Amphitheater. Your teacher, four dozen rock bands. So get ready for some well-supervised craziness <laughs> while you rock out with your father. <laughs> Oh, I love it. With your father. I, the the bizarre uh, product tie-ins. Clark, uh, Clark Bars makes me laugh a lot. And the uh, the Class Rings is good, too. But Brett Forrester saw a lot of this corporatization when he went to Lollapalooza. But I also think they're, they're riffing a bit on Woodstock 94. 
Oh, which, yes. um, was like the most corporate hell boomer, again, hellscape. Mm. <laughs> well, that's why the, the line a little later of Lisa saying, yes. like, this is like Woodstock except with advertising. That was Woodstock 94. Well, meanwhile, Woodstock uh, 99 was uh, Woodstock if it was hell. Li- yeah, literally hell. If it, like, was, it had literally become hell. What but, if it was just mud and fire? Justin's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Justin's gag too is great to me because like, Justin doesn't need to advertise. It has a 100% monopoly on class rings. They, like, they come to your school and talk you into a bad decision. Yeah, I, I – what fucker walks around? Like, if you see somebody with a high school class ring walking around, I feel like like you haven't done anything since high school. I'm sorry if anybody in the listener is listening now and they're looking at the class ring. They're like, oh. I, I don't want yeah, – again, I don't want to insult anyone. This is okay if you feel this way. But it, it baffles me. Like, people that are still, like, way to the college they went to, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's for sports. It's fine but outside of that i'm just like uh, come on we can let's get let's get over this <laughs> maybe yeah i high school even more so feels like come on they like, did spend thousands of dollars it's to, true. to go to that school they better love it a little bit i mean <laughs> i spent too much money to go to college and i don't even want to think about it anymore i don't want a reminder <laughs> uh but we're but bob when you went to that school there weren't cool girls walking around with guns and true. talking about how protected they were i didn't teach any mm. cool gun wielding people at kent what if that girl had walked into your class with a like a huge uh, assault rifle. I would have dove out the window. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, those class rings, they always seem like a scam to me. Also, I love the, the there's great acting uh, I just caught this time of like when the way that Bart and Lisa, they're shifting between excitement, but then also realizing, yeah. oh, he's going to be there. And they kind of scoot away from him like, oh, <laughs> no. No longer well supervised. It's, it is a devil's bargain. <laughs> And I also love, like, they, that Oakley and Weinstein, they remember Capital City. Other writers, they forget that Capital City is a usable locale for the more upscale things in the in the Simpsons universe. Like, we went to Capital City for the Planet of the Apes musical, and now we're yeah, going right. there again for this year. Four dozen rock bands. How can you? That's, that's That seems like too how many, many. How many days? Yeah, and how many <laughs> stages are there? There seems to be only one stage in Hullabalooza. I, and, oh, yeah, I forgot to say it. On the Hullabalooza thing, the sign that Homer sees, the huge 1996 on it, that, like, dates this in a way they never do on the show. They're usually more careful of that kind of thing. But maybe they were rightly thinking, like, these bands date this anyway. Oh, for sure. So. Billy Corgan's going to shave his head in, in a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, so we see a bit of uh, the Freaks for the first time, and this is based on uh, the Jim Rose Circus, which uh, started in Seattle in 1991 and then rose to fame at Lollapalooza in 92. And if you're watching TV in the 90s, these people were all over, like, late-night shows. There was, like, mm-hmm. well, Jim Rose was sort of, like, a comedian, but he would also, like, staple things to his face and um, <laughs> things like that. There was a guy, a, the, the famous lizard man, who had the, got the forked tongue and the, all the tattoos and piercings all over his body. Love that guy. Uh, one guy who would just picked things up with piercings on his nipples and genitals and ears and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, that's what they did. And <laughs> they're still operating. I mean, I like, it seems like that sort of gig you can only do for so long before your body just gives up. But uh, maybe they hire new freaks? They, I mean, they probably have pretty good veterinarians they're going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're seeing a vet. I, I also love some of the uh, 
booths they walk by, like the Register Not to Vote parody of the yeah. Rock the Vote campaign, and uh, bungee jump against racism. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of like today's like retweet if you think bigots are uncool. <laughs> <laughs> Every generation has slacktivism, but it's mm-hmm. important to note that Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, they were in Gen X, but they hated Gen Xers. Yes. They're like, you spent your whole youth being sad about things. You should have worked at a ski lodge or something. <laughs> I love, I do love that. Yeah, that just like, you should have been having like sexy fun. Why'd you feel depressed? Like, why I feel so mopey. It was the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Always mopey. <laughs> they really fit with like Lollapalooza's particular brand of whimsy, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, uh, then we get our first appearance of a, of a current day band with Cypress Hill. What is that smell? It smells like Otto's jacket. Dude, karma. What? Karma. Karma. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Dad, you cannot wear that. That's a Rastafarian hat. Hey, I've been Safarian since before you were born. Wearing a Jamaican hat makes a bold statement about your connection to reggae music. Well, excuse me. So they're playing Throw Your Set in the Air from 1995, Cypress Hill 3, Temple of Boom. <laughs> and uh, Cypress Hill were famously pro the, the ganja. Mm-hmm. So that's why the autos jacket gag fits in there, which I, as a child, did not get that. I didn't, I didn't either. No. But uh, they've been around uh, for 30 years now. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. their last album was in 2017, and it's called Elephants on Acid. That's pretty cool. Nice. Good for oh, them. That's this year, actually. I was wrong. And uh, that joke, they also talk about Blockbuster Entertainment, which is like, <laughs> wow. <of> Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's a fun story on the commentary in which, like, uh, so if you guess on The Simpsons, you get a gift. Mm-hmm. And every year, they change what the gift is. And that year, it was a Filofax. <laughs> Do you guys know what a file effects is? Sort of like a binder of thi- of information, right? It's basically like a trapper keeper for adults. <laughs> and they were just kind of confused by it. <laughs> if I had been the guest and seen that in previous years, people got a, a freaking like jacket, like a varsity jacket. I'd be like, hey, yeah. I that. This file effects yeah. is bullshit. It's pretty cheap. At, uh, that... I worked at a Blockbuster, and it's still strange to me to even think that I worked at a Blockbuster, and it feels like it's somebody saying they like were a uh, phone operator who connected lines or whatever. It, it's such an outdated job of just that people people came into a store and picked one movie they wanted to watch and paid you $8 for it and left. That's just what – and then they'd pay you more money if they were late with it because you had to bring it back. I got rejected from a Hollywood video interview. Oh, my uh, gosh. I wish I worked in a Hollywood because they had a better anime selection. Good game uh, store next to it as well. Yeah, yeah. But no. you were rejected from that too? I didn't try that one. Okay. But I love that they would fix your disc. That was the Oh, best. man. Yeah. They're regular game doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everything that Homer does is from the 70s. He does the Steve Martin excuse me mm-hmm. too. So it's, he's, oh. he's very trapped in that, in that era. And uh, that karma bit, I love that because it's one of the few things with kids Homer does understand eventually. And he just won't do it. He's yeah. like, oh, I get it. Box and uh, by the way, that are you being sarcastic, dude? That guy? I don't mm-hmm. know anymore, man. He is not a voice actor. He's a contest winner. And that's all that Bill <gasps> Oakley says. So I don't know what the contest was, but probably wow. some Simpsons-related thing in a comic or a magazine or whatever. He guessed who, want, who uh, shot Mr. Burns. No, no. Nope. That was uh, that woman did not want the prize. She just uh, took the money. That was uh, some old lady who ruined the contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also like that everybody – some people like to act like complaining about cultural appropriation is a new thing. 
saying like this is the Simpsons doing that joke in 1996 of like you can't wear yeah you yeah. you are stealing the culture of reggae and Rastafarian. So. <laughs> and the other 70s thing Homer does is the uh, keep on trucking uh, our crumb walk, mm-hmm. which they had to animate, and it doesn't look that much like it, but you get the idea. And that mm-hmm. was uh, our crumb drew that in a one page comic, and everyone ripped it off in the 70s. So there's merch for that all over the 70s that he has nothing to do with because people just like the image of the guy walking with his foot yeah. out. Marge liked it so much he stitched it into a, uh, a blanket. But they weren't allowed to show the drawing. It had like a like a peace symbol. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's lame. The, uh, I mean, also Homer Homer's too cool for this planet pin. It's it's, it's such <laughs> perfect oh. lame dadness. Dadness. I love that. And so then we get the, the, the Homer narc uh, situation, <laughs> which I love this. The scene always made me laugh, but in this viewing was when I was finally like, oh, poor Homer. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, nice try, Narc. Where's the Narc? Who? That fat Jamaican guy. <laughs> what did I say? What's going on? Hey, we're just trying to have a good time, Narc. Why do you want to destroy us? Don't commit your hate crimes here. Hate crimes! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm out now. More butt support. More butt support. At least he gets the crowd surf out of this. Yeah. yeah. That one they used in all the commercials. <laughs> uh, but the... I just feel so bad for Homer in this one now where he's the when the woman is pointing at him screaming hate, hate crime. He's just like <laughs> nervous, like that sounds bad. Like, uh oh. That fat Jamaican dude. The hat. It made it made him pass as a Jamaican guy. He did yeah. it. He's a very light skinned Jamaican. <laughs> I I also have to say, I knew one white Rastafarian in my life with those dreads and he was the phoniest fucker in the world. A rich kid. A rich kid who, you know what, when he was tired of having ugly dreadlocks cut him off. Went back to being rich. Just fine. No white dreads. I don't care what happens next year. No white dreads. (laughs) It's true. I mean, uh, speaking of this, uh, my friend lived with a drug dealer once uh, back in the college days. Just just weed. Just just sold weed. And I'll buy weed from him. But he also had a Bob Marley beaded curtain to go into his room. Like, do you really need to do uh, this? Do we really need to be doing this? I mean, you got to be that much of a, of a stereotype of yeah. a dealer. Like, if he if he didn't own a Bob Marley beaded curtain, how would you know he had, yeah, he dealt like, weed? Well, this is actually weed. I, I, I trust this man. It's not it's not oregano. Uh, I would think if a cop when if a cop busted there, they'd just have to laugh and like, yeah. come on, In and, there. Then, and then break his head open. <laughs> We get a nice shot of the Smashing Pumpkins playing their big hit, Zero. It may be bleak, but this music is really getting to the crowd. Uh, Making teenagers depressed is like shooting fish in a barrel. Makes no sense. I haven't changed since high school, and suddenly I'm uncool. Uh, I've been kicked out of paradise. I'll never be part of this scene again. Uh-oh. So yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. I was a big Smashing Pumpkins fan at this time. Mm-hmm. I don't know about nice. you guys. Uh, I can still go back to this album, but the lyrics are deeply embarrassing. Uh, Very much Guess so. what, guys? God is empty, just like me. Oh, <laughs> I'm in love with my own sadness. Yep. Deal with it, America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's cornball, but it was just the thing. I at fourteen, I needed to hear that to be like, yeah, yeah I have deep feelings like deep. these. 
fashion victims. I, in a way, I like how earnest it is, though. <laughs> I got more into Adore. That album was more my uh, thing. okay. More the, the extra sad, no more hard stuff. Uh, see, yeah, no, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I listened uh, to that. But there's Infinite Sadness. Times. How could Adore be sadder? <laughs> and Melancholy, that's a funny pun. Yeah. That's so mm. clever. Now, the, uh, and just the look of... That look at Billy Corgan at the time in that black T-shirt that said zero on it, like, it's an easy thing for any average white man to copy. And you mm-hmm. look cool. At this point, though, he had uh, adopted the bald look. Yes. So it was weird to see him with hair, and I forgot that he, you know, had hair at some point. Yeah, he had shaved it off a little before this. Came. Like, what was uh, playing all the time on MTV was the uh, Tonight Tonight, that one was playing all the time. And he is Oh, great video. M- is that the top bald. hat one? When he has a little top hat? Yes. Mm. Oh, so pretty. Milady. <laughs> uh, so Billy Corgan has some opinions yeah. these days. I want to talk a bit about yeah. this. Um, what I did while watching this episode was I, I took a screen cap of Billy Corgan in this episode, and then I took a screen cap of him on Alex Jones looking like Aqualung. Uh, thank you, somebody on my Twitter, for coming up with that joke. Uh, and uh, so I put those two next to each other, and I in the text, it'll happen to you. <laughs> and uh, Bill Oakley liked it on Twitter, so it, it is Bill Oakley approved. But let's hear his, some of his opinions. Oh, God. On the Alex Jones show, uh, and he's wearing about, I would say, conservatively 13 jackets and five scarves. If you're if if you're trying to come at it from a different angle, because we see the rise of the social justice worry movement as another propaganda kind of uh, control arm, right? It's here to control us. It's the Maoists. Here they come, and they'll use kids, and they'll use, I mean, they have no shame. It's classic tyranny. Okay, right. So what is allowing people who in their own hearts have a differing opinion to be led down this path? It's a collectivism. It's a, it's a peer pressure. It's shaming. It's, it's guilting. It's, it's like gang member stuff. They're, they're young. They're uninformed. They take them to the college. They put them under pressure. They send them to but, group. But again, he is, he is trapped in those coats. Someone, oh. someone help him. Oh, my God. He needs, oh. he needs I did not out. know what was going to come oh. out of this. Yeah, I mean, it gets worse. There, there's, there's hours of this online, oh. by the way, so, if, if you really want to dig into it. Social justice warriors. That makes me so angry. Are communists? Is that what's happening Collectivist, there? Maoist. Yeah. What? What makes me most angry about that little clip there is that these are the things Billy Corgan, I would hope, would have laughed at in 1996. And secondly, like, you cannot sound more like a fucking grandpa to be like, they go to the colleges, they get indoctrinated. Like, you don't know what a fucking college is anymore. <laughs> you are that fucking out of touch. Colleges are boring. You don't learn anything. They are useless to you, and you are certainly not indoctrinated into Maoist theory. They, they, they colleges all are like, just part of corporate America. They act like if they went to classes that were about the founding fathers and the Constitution, that they would learn to not be Maoist, which is like, none of them learn this. You can't even outright socialists who are teachers can't even teach that shit because they're shoved. They would be shoved out of the schools. They they made me take several classes in collective Maoism, Henry. And um, I've, I've killed but just the, just the way the, the the matter of factness of Billy Corgan saying this stuff like, well, it's social justice warriors and they're being <laughs> they're being trained in collectivism and they, they they don't even know it's just shameless. I was like, you are eight million years old. Like you could not be more out of touch that these talking about these collectivist kids who are out of touch. What makes it even better yeah. is when uh, Yosemite Sam chimes in with his opinion. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. They're indoctrinating them. Let's hey. move on from this topic because Henry's uh, going to have a heart attack. Alex Jones must have been... Okay, last thing I'll <laughs> say about I got one too. Yes, please. <laughs> I saw Smashing Pumpkins at the Bridge School Benefit a few years ago. Oh, man, I've been to that before. Yeah, and uh, I have to tell you I was hugely, hugely disappointed. Uh, <laughs> Played hmm. mostly new stuff and, oh. and brought out Josh Groban. Boo. Brought... 
Josh Groban out to sing a song with him. That, that, that's and this guy's going to talk about indoctrination <laughs> and, oh, and that corporatization. And that, that really sucks. I... What I hate too is that he is that he is legitimizing Alex Jones by appearing on this thing, which is why Alex Jones will agree with anything Corrigan says because he's like, "You're giving me so much more uh, <laughs> a legitimacy here." <laughs> and also, though, it should be a law. Homer was right when he yelled that at uh, that concert, like, "Only play the old stuff. Like, we don't want to hear the new things. Like, that's <laughs> that's how it is. I don't want to hear the new things." Yeah, when I saw they might be giants, they followed that rule when i saw mm-hmm. violent femmes they're like we know why you're here <laughs> yeah the though i was uh my first they might be giant show opening for them were okay go mm-hmm. before they were popular and they said we're gonna do one they might be giants cover because they said they're not gonna play the song tonight oh spoiler. And, and it was kiss me son of god i destroyed the bond of friendship and respect between the only people left and even look me in the eye. Now I laugh and make a fortune off the same ones that I tortured and the world says, kiss me, son of God. What's the name of the song, though? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, though also that same old thing was, I went to see a super drag show because they were also, hey, you want more things that are like Weezer? That Listen to super drag. <laughs> and when I went there, they sang only new songs of them trying to be Matchbox 20. I was no. like, this isn't who you're going to be. They sang one old song, and it wasn't even who sucked out the That's feeling. That's too bad. When you play uh, new songs at a concert, or when I hear a band I love playing a new song at a concert, that's when I start feeling old. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because I suddenly am like aware of how my legs are sore, because I don't know the song. I'm just like, <laughs> And everyone uh, around you knows it. <laughs> Oh, that's the worst. When they come out with an album and I haven't caught up. First time I heard that was when I saw Hot Hot Heat play. Mm. It's going to date me a little bit. But they came out with a uh, like a third album or second album, and I was just like, I don't know these songs. I only know bandages. What is this? Bandages. <laughs> <laughs> Also, last thing about Billy Corgan, he not only has he transformed into this talking Corgans, but he is also a pro wrestling promoter. Cool, that's he, great though. He, is, he has invested a ton of money in pro wrestling, and he now owns the old NWA uh, is in uh, National Wrestling Alliance. Oh, not that Un- unfortunate. NWA. And he is promoting wrestling shows. I tweeted at you, Bob, the the outfit he wore in Chicago for a wrestling He's event. He's dressed like the mask. It was. It was insane, the zoot suit and giant fedora he was wearing. And still no hair? Yeah, still no so hair. So no he hair. was the mask. Yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> Actually, someone photoshopped that for me and put, like, green face paint on him and, like, two googly eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's gone in hard on wrestling promoters, so it's always, it's been a bummer for me of seeing some of my favorite indie wrestlers, like, pose for photos with him because they're just like, he's helping expand wrestling. And a lot of them are just like, hey, I'm just a wrestler. I don't know politics. Yeah, man. I mean, in the end, the world is a vampire. Yeah. So let's we got to get out of here. <laughs> Good for Darcy to never hang out with him anymore and to just be done. And she could make millions if she went on the road with him again. But so the fact that she doesn't tells me uh, she's got more sense than say James Eha that sellout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spider Man's rage. Uh, I love that animation of the sad crowd moving back and forth. Yeah, they loved it so much that they uh, reused it later on the a loop. Credits. Yeah. It's perfect. That's how I dance. <laughs> I only dance the way Peanuts characters dance. That's, that's all I know. I dance like that in like Fry. So uh, <laughs> depends on what mode. Would pay to see that. What mode I'm in? Uh, maybe you will. <laughs> so Homer at gets, your show. <laughs> yes. 
There'll be uh, no one around me. <laughs> so Homer gets smashed in the gut and a giant flying pig pop pops up, which was popularized by Pink Floyd on their album cover for Animals. And it actually got loose in the same way that Homer just got it loose here. <laughs> and uh, But they would never sell it to anybody because Ro- when the band split up, Roger Waters kept the pig rights. Uh, and the he pig used rights. them at his concerts, not at whatever the other Pink Floyd guys are yeah, I didn't realize that those, that was a mainstay at Pink Floyd concerts. The joke is that Peter Frampton shouldn't care about the pig. Yeah. He shouldn't have a pig. It's not part of his act at all. <laughs> but he, it, but it helps so much when you go like, do you feel? And the pig explodes. Do you feel? <laughs> also, did you guys catch that Eric uh, that Eric Stefani drew no doubt into the background of that oh, show? Oh, I know somebody Ooh. did. It's so distracting. Yeah. If it wasn't Eric Stefani himself, it was friends of Eric Stefani on the staff who, if you guys didn't know, Eric Stefani, who was the original lead singer of No Doubt uh, and one of the songwriters. When No Doubt was not doing so well, he went back on his first uh, skill. He had learned animation, and he was an animator on the early years of Simpsons. Very talented, too. Uh, David Silverman tells a funny story of them working together and him getting a gold record in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, well, I don't think we're going to keep him any longer as an animator. (laughs) Oh, man. Here goes Peter Frampton's big finale. (laughs) He's going to be pissed off. You're damn right I'm going to be pissed off. I bought that pig at Pink Floyd's yard sale. Dad, are you okay? I'm fine. Sir, I run Hullabaloo's pageant of the transmundane, the freak show, and I've been looking for a big fatso to shoot with a cannon. I'd like very much for you to be that fatso. So, you want to go on tour with a traveling freak show? I don't think I have a choice, Marge. Of course you have a choice. How do you figure? You don't have to join a freak show just because the opportunity came along. You know, Marge, in some ways, you and I are very different people. So I want to get into the story of Frank Cannonball Richards. So later in this episode, there'll be a clip of Homer being shot with a cannonball in slow motion and falling over. It's a reference to a very famous piece of stock footage of a, a bald, fat man getting shot with a cannon and falling over. This was this guy's job. This is what he did for a living. His living was making money off of his, uh, like, like bulletproof stomach. There's an entire, like, uh, Getty Images mini documentary about him, but... He was famous for this iron stomach. People would come up to him and punch him. They'd jump on him. And later it escalated to uh, getting cannonballs fired at him. And here's a little bit about this guy. You win. <laughs> Finally, in a feat for which Cannonball Riches would be forever remembered, he was shot in the belly with a 104-pound cannonball, appearing relatively unfazed by the experience and going on to make a career out of his ability. He took a cannonball to the belly twice a day in front of gobsmacked crowds. Frank Cannonball Richards lived to a ripe old age of 81. Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough to see himself immortalized on a Van Halen album cover. Yes, he's on Van Halen's uh, 3, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's it's really weird that... So that Van Halen thing was after this episode, but that piece of stock footage was so famous. If you watch TV, since that guy did his thing, you would see it in like, I don't know, like Muppet Babies or in a lot of, a lot of music videos, mm-hmm. in a lot of commercials. Like that clip, especially that one clip, is all over the place. So It was, it was free stock footage, so you'd put it in anything. I... I mentally associated either with Muppet Babies or with 120 Minutes. They would often use shots like that or somebody with a beard of bees on <laughs> But uh, 
it's it's amazing to watch the slow motion of it. And I feel bad for Homer in this episode because only once when they are reenacting that scene does he have a net that catches him. Every other time he just smashes on the ground. I can't believe he like did they they didn't talk about like doing an autopsy and figuring out like what's going on with this guy because he should have been killed. I know. I don't understand. I want I want some answers, but the, I guess the mystery a, remains. Could be that blowfish that he ate. Uh, toughened him up. I think he just eventually developed a lot of scar tissue. And, then, uh, and uh, I also, this is a real mark of this time in The Simpsons where Marge is recognizing the hokiness of a Homer job episode of just <laughs> like, you don't have to do this, Homer. This is, <laughs> when I say this out loud, what you're about to do is ridiculous and you don't have to. You and I are very different people, Marge. Like, He's in a Homer Gets a Job episode. He has to do it. Yep. Yeah, what's he going to do? Not take a new job? Like, these are just such great opportunities. Uh, this is the first time I caught that they went to the Skull Bowl yeah, in Raleigh. In Raleigh, Durham. <laughs> Such a Bob hates Raleigh, Durham. But uh, Skull <laughs> and Skull is a chaw, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of again, lots of tobacco ads everywhere. I, I like couldn't stop seeing it. I was like, why is that there? I think it's because it's like, what is the worst corporation to sponsor an event? Would be a cigarette mm. company, and oh. they're allowed to make fun of cigarettes, but not alcohol. Well, North Carolina is tobacco country. That is true. Yeah, time. So mm-hmm. that's it was this big cash crop. But uh, uh, they, I, they have to say, I don't think that behind the scenes on Lollapalooza that the freaks were getting to hang out with the actual main acts. I think they probably had to go somewhere. They probably else. tried to. But, yeah, they were like, "Hey, let's can we hang out? Right, you get some machine. You want to hang out with the lizard guy? <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe they did. Maybe. But uh, but Homer sure gets to hang out with them. Hey, Cannonball. I like your statement. When life takes a cheap shot at you, you stay on your ground. Uh-huh. Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. Homer Simpson, smiling politely. You know, my kids think you're the greatest. And thanks to your gloomy music, they finally stopped dreaming of a future I can't possibly provide. Well, we try to make a difference. Dear Bart and Lisa. All is well on tour with America's most popular alternative music festival. Leaving Ohio. Our first job is to entertain. And I like to think sometimes we get a message across as well. No litter. <laughs> but the main thing is, I finally tapped into that spirit of self-destruction that makes rock and roll the king of music. I appreciate the joke of him leaving Ohio, or the bus leaving. It's like, <laughs> yes. neither Cl- Cleveland or Cincinnati would be good a good choice. <laughs> Either they just don't want to do it, that fork in the road, they're like... Let's turn back. How did we get this far into Ohio? Can't, can't go to either. It was uh, Death of Time. Did you take that as the Ohio dig as, as oh, a yeah. child? And I liked it. <laughs> even even at 13, you're like, fuck this. I'm Ohio. done with this place. <laughs> I'll be, I'm out of here as soon as Only possible. Only 17 more years. <laughs> uh, though I have to say, the future that the Smashing Pumpkins promised us wasn't sufficiently gloomy enough for what is the real future now. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, and then Homer, okay, so that joke, Homer Simpson and smiling politely. <laughs> they had originally envisioned that for a joke on Courtney Love. That's right. The gag would be Courtney Love. 
Homer thankful. And uh, they thought they could get Courtney Love because James L. Brooks was maybe going to make a movie with her. So it would make her more open to it. And uh, in 1996, I would say in alternative music, there were a few women hated more than Courtney Love. Yes. In fact, uh, one of the bands on this that's in the show said, if Courtney's in, we're out. So I want to say maybe Sonic Youth. It was revealed later in like an oral history article. It was Sonic Youth. I thought so, yeah. But they weren't even in it, right? They didn't have lines, right? They, oh, they, had, no, they, they had lines at the very uh, end. The very uh, end, yeah. They have like one line. They talk way less than Smashing Pumpkins. Sonic Youth kind of gets a, a bum rap in this episode. But I mean, most bands hated Courtney Love at this time, which I think... Fair. I don't know. I, I am of two minds on this. I don't know Courtney Love. Maybe she is like a very difficult person, but I feel like she took maybe too much blame for Kurt Cobain's death. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I like whole songs. There are good songs. They made good music. Yeah, but I, I don't know, Lexi, how do you feel? I, I feel like she shouldn't be blamed for mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain's death. That's crazy and ridiculous. Maybe, I, I, I suppose people would probably blame her for capitalizing on him entirely. Sure. Yeah. But like, I mean, also in retrospect, like all musicians are difficult. It doesn't just have to be. <laughs> doesn't just have to be Courtney Love. Like that video of of the sound person isolating her guitar. Was so mean. Yeah. Though th- at this time, too, she was t- kind of trying to rebrand herself. Like, Hole was still putting out albums in the late 90s, but she was trying to go to Hollywood. Like, she really thought, you know, she thought that the man on the moon was going to get her an Oscar win and she'd arrive as an actress. But after that movie, she wasn't really in many movies anymore. After I that think either. it's because uh, she was too expensive to insure mm. for a movie because oh. of her problems. <laughs> yes, yeah. Though, hey, she's outlived so many of her generation, though. Yep. yep. I mean, if Charlie Sheen can do it, she can do it. Yeah, I think, well, men get a pass for everything, so yep, it's, like it's good, old, oh, yes. good old Charlie Sheen. He won't show up for a while. Yeah, I feel like Courtney, Courtney Love could be 80% as bad as Charlie Sheen, but she gets like 150% of the shit that he gets. That's how it works. I also love the West Archer animation and his team. They found Different ways to film Homer getting hit with a cannonball. Yeah. They have, because they got to do the same setup like eight times in this episode. They even get a full camera spin around from it. Or not full, like not 360, but a camera spin. Like that was really good. They're asked to do a lot. And I believe Homer stands much further away from the cannon than that Iron Gut guy did. Yes, which seems more dangerous, I think. It builds up speed. Uh, but yes, here here is dangers of irony, kids. Hello, ticket holders. Oh, here comes that cannonball guy. He's cool. Are you being sarcastic, dude? I don't even know anymore. So there's your contest winner, everybody. <laughs> did now, a great job. Now I'm distracted forever by that new voice. Yeah, it is. It, I did not know it was a contest winner. That uh, that, But that's the dangers of being ir- too ironic. You don't even know anymore. Mm. I, I fell for it, too. I'm post-post-irony. Uh, so then we get a nice... I think Pete Frampton is the best actor of the guests. <laughs> he really is. He really, he really gives it. Yeah, like here. And remember... Don't trust anyone over 30. And now, Peter Frampton. Thanks, Homer. Homer Simpson, everyone. Hey, Homer. Looks like our next stop is your hometown, Springfield. Is it true that we have to bring our own water? (laughs) We got a little rule back home. If it's brown, drink it down. If it's black, send it back. The hometown show's the big one, Homer. 
Yeah, people who called you a weirdo in high school get to see what a successful freak you've become. Hey, I wasn't a weirdo. I was in the audiovisual club. Really? Me too. <laughs> but I got kicked out because of my views on Vietnam. Also, I was stealing projectors. <laughs> <laughs> so they're headed to Springfield. <laughs> <sighs> the Smashing Pumpkins are the, some of the worst actors, I yeah, think. Especially Do after you hear Peter Frampton. Yes. And Billy Corey's like, hi, Homer, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, drummer Jimmy Chamberlain is the worst. In, yeah. In, in a line that's so bad, it's great at the end of this episode. But I, I like Darcy talking about how she, I was in the audio visual club. That used to be a marker of nerddom, but they don't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Homer just did it to steal things. Uh, and this is when we get the introduction to his stomach problems, which apparently went away after he stopped getting a daily cannonball. He did not rupture his stomach afterwards. But uh, I love when the uh, the freak guy shows up to check and be like, nothing is more important than the health, the health of my freaks. Then we get a really bad outro line. I think it's it's one of the biggest groaners. Uh, the writers agree with you. Gee, I don't like the sound of that. No biggie. I'm cool. Homer, nothing's more important to me than the health and well-being of my freaks. I'm sending you to a vet. My God, those cannonballs have practically demolished your stomach. From now on, no cannonballs, no spicy foods. And when you lie in a hammock, please rest your beer on your head or your genitals. (laughs) (laughs) Rules. I'm a rocker. I don't care for rules. Mr. Simpson, this is serious. If you take one more cannonball to the gut, you will die. Die? Well, you don't scare me, Doc, because dying would be a stone groove. (laughs) Got any messages for Jimi Hendrix? Yes. Pick up your puppy. Puppy is cute. Puppy's sad. That puppy's 26 years old. Jimmy, sound, Jimi Hendrix died in 1970, by the way. So the sound that puppy makes, I feel like oh. it's... That was added after the fact. I think that was a stuffed dog. That, like, I want to think that dog was dead and they had a taxidermy. And, I guess it's not there. It's not moving in any way. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just laying there with its eyes open. Though it also looks a lot like the... Uh, uh, the Jurassic Bark dog as well. Uh, Seymour. Yeah, Seymour. Good old Seymour. Looks but that like Janice Joplin. <laughs> <laughs> Though this on the commentary when they talk about this crappy joke, uh, they they say that this is when they started talking about how very tired they were. They're like the season's over. You're getting tired of writing jokes, and you just settle. You're just like. Look, that's funny enough. We're, we're, let's get out of this. We need to scene. finish our, our work. Honestly, those are some cranky jokes in this episode. Everything is very cranky. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm complaining about Ticketmaster fees. I'm complaining about like, uh, what's that? Uh, what's that one religion? Uh, <laughs> yes, with the well many yeah. rules. Yeah. It's really a lot of, like, take that. Take that. <laughs> yeah, they're tired, they're angry, and also they're old guys who aren't cool having to pretend <laughs> to be cool for an episode. They must have had, like, a Donald Glover, like, that they were ringing for information. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I guess David, I would think, even though he is a mega nerd as well, David X. Cohen wrote for Beavis and Butthead and was maybe one of the younger guys on staff, so... Perhaps him. I believe Josh Weinstein uh, is the dude who was way into music at this time and kind of uh, still is. Like Bill Oakley was, again. Um, he's Seymour Skinner. The more yes, he gets, we yes. see Bill Oakley is Skinner. He really is. But Josh Weinstein, he was the guy who was like, we need Sonic Youth. We need Cypressilla. We need this. We need that. Like he was the guy who was like sort of organizing all of this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then we come back and we get this. 
this through line you barely even need that like Homer loves Bart's attention, but he also is going to die trying to get it. And there's just not enough time for it. And that's that's what happens. You got to make time <laughs> yeah. for all your stars. You can't keep doing this. Bart's uh, love for Homer was not anything in Act 2. <laughs> no. <laughs> in Act 1, he was just annoyed with Homer. Yeah, they should have. I guess Bart getting the letter from Homer was the yeah, start of I that. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's really light. Like, it's uh, also, I do like the gag about the uh, the underwear that uh, that Homer <laughs> Homer must like an unfurnished basement. Mm. Bart coined that phrase. Yeah. I also love that billboard of Homer being the pride of Springfield, like that freeze frame shot of him getting smashed with a cannibal. It's pretty <laughs> hilarious. When we get backstage and and they arrive, it's Be Real from Cypress Hill doing the ha-ha, but it really sounds like a Dan Castellaneta mm. ha-ha to me. I, though I think anybody can do ha-ha. Like, and, and it could be anybody. It, yeah. could, it could have been anybody there. But uh, then we get another great stoner joke. Hello, bands. Who is playing with the London Symphony Orchestra? <laughs> Come on, people. Somebody order the London Symphony Orchestra. Possibly while high. Uh-huh. Cypress Hill, I'm looking in your direction. Hey, man, did we order an orchestra? <laughs> What's up with this orchestra, man? Where'd the orchestra come from? I, I don't know, man. I didn't tell me about this, man. We gotta do, we gotta do something. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we think we did. Uh, do you know Insane in the Brain? We mostly know classical, but we could give it a shot. Marge gets into it. I actually would like to hear a whole version, a whole album of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was also my mom's reaction, too, to, uh, of hearing the... really cleaned it up. She finally could appreciate Insane in the Brain. The uh, That kind of reminds me of, remember when LL Cool J did Unplugged? He did MTV Unplugged, and it was mm. all live music being played behind him, and he he loved it. He was like, oh, yeah, you." He, there's a funny thing where he wanted to say, like, okay, guys, rewind the thing again. Oh, yeah, wait, no, you just start again. <laughs> I don't know what that would be like with LL Cool J. It's the, it, you must have seen it. He's, he's singing with two mics in okay. his hands, and you can see the deodorant in oh, his uh, now, armpits Oh, now it's well. all coming together. Coming together. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the image I remember now. Once you remember the deodorant, it's uh, all right this, there. Disgusting. I think I remember that because I just remember the idea of trying to make, like, Authentic analog instruments out of mm-hmm. out of a mix-up like that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was neat. It was neat. Uh, so then we get uh, Frampton Star making performance here. Of uh, well, his his talking guitar is cool. They even drew in the mouth tube for his talking guitar on the on the microphone here. And this is the shoes talking. Mm. <laughs> Man, that guy's guitar is talking. Hey, my shoes are talking to Don't worry. We won't hurt you. We only want to have some fun. <laughs> and to think, Smithers, you laughed when I bought Ticketmaster. <laughs> Nobody's going to pay a 100% service charge. <laughs> well, it's a policy that ensures a healthy mix of the rich and the ignorant, sir. They cut that out, the shoe talking part. Oh, in the syndicated version? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I guess, I guess you could lose that. It's kind of long. It's not... It yeah. has no point to it, but the <laughs> every time I pay a convenience fee at Ticketmaster, I think of Mr. Burns getting yep. my money. Every, yep. I mean, everything has convenience fees, and it's not quite clear what that means. Like, we're letting you, we're, we're sending you a PDF. That's convenient, <laughs> isn't it? 
well, give me five extra dollars. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that convenient? Five dollars sounds fair. Uh, what the shoes say, by the way, are yeah. from uh, the classic... 1999 from Prince, which until I listened to the album, that's when I heard it because in the classic music video for 1999, this isn't on there, but it is the first thing you hear when you play the album 1999. Mm. Don't worry. I won't hurt you. I only want you to have some fun. Nice. And it just kind of leads into 1999. I could legit cry. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Prince wanted to freak you out. Well, I mean, his, the concept of the album 1999 is this is the far-flung future of 1999 and the world's going to end. And mm-hmm. that's the robot who's going to who's gonna kill you at the end of the world, I guess. Mm. But uh, that's a reference. Again, I didn't know that until I listened to 1999, the album, a long time after this I'll, episode. I only found this out in doing research for it today. I never listened to the album version. Well, and also it was a reference. I I forget which Mystery Science Theater, but they also have that. Yeah. In it. Oh, I I uh, think it was in the Neptune Man. I mm. think. And uh, Final Sacrifice had it too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. When it's uh, the guy with the deep voice. You're the deep voice. We won't hurt you. R.I.P. Roused Hour. R.I.P. There's he's drinking that beer on the sun right now. Pour one out. I also. Uh, oh yeah, I think. Both both P- Peter Frampton is the best actor, but I do really like this line from Thurston Moore here in this in this next clip. Do you do you feel? Do, do you feel? Oh come on, do you feel? God, Homer Simpson wrecks my pig, Cypress Hill steals my orchestra, and Sonic Youth's in my cooler. Get out of there, you kids! Aw, oh, come on, Mr. Frampton. You're not gonna eat all that watermelon. Please, I'm trying to perform. Go ahead. We'll stay here and guard your cooler. Oh, 25 years I've been in this. I've never heard of no, he, he is great. I mean, is Sonic Youth the one band that appears but does not perform in the episode? Yeah, they don't yeah. play anything on stage. I mean, their version of this of the oh, theme song yeah. is, is in right. it. But within the universe of the episode, they do not play a song. <laughs> but they're, I, I just love that they are eating all his food and they call it d- guarding his cooler. That's just, <laughs> it's, it's so funny to me. I like and, Dennis the Menace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And then Thurston Moore's line of just like, Oh, come yeah. on. All that watermelon. Yeah. Uh, we missed the Ticketmaster thing. It's important to note that around this time, people were really revolting against Ticketmaster specifically, like uh, Eddie Vedder. And, uh, he was trying to like circumvent mm. Ticketmaster. He failed. Mm. Ticketmaster still exists as Live Nation. It's just like sort of when um, uh, companies like Blackwater have to change their name uh. because they murder too many people. Comcast <laughs> to Xfinity, yeah. Clear Channel to whatever the fuck it's just, called now. You just forget about Ticketmaster. That guy never happened. <laughs> Yuck. I mean, it's the same shitty charges. It's just not... I mean, ultimately, they change their name because they absorb everything, and they. Mm-hmm. but it helps mm-hmm. to have a new name with a new reputation. Vote with your dollar. Also, five corporations own everything. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, yeah, vote however you want to. I, I, also, the casting of Peter Frampton as old in this episode. Do you guys know how old he was when this episode aired? 52. 
No. 48? Lexi was closer. Uh, 46. She wins Peter Frampton. (laughs) The old man (laughs) in this episode was 46, but that's because Peter Frampton was a huge star in his teens. Like, at 18, he was starting to be a big star in the late 60s with, like, Humble Pie and then going on his own and then starring in the quite horrendous Sgt. Pepper's movie. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. He is so bad in it. He speaks now. They deleted all of his lines. They're like, nope, not showing any of these lines. They'll just be narration by George Burns. Hmm. If you want to see a horrible horrible film filled with terrible to pretty good Beatles covers, then Sgt. Pepper's. What about that all around the universe? Yeah. (laughs) uh, My, uh, you know, across the universe. Oh, uh, sorry. That's my favorite Beatles song, Around the Universe. <laughs> I would say of the two movies, Across the Universe is more like baseline okay, but I I prefer the wackiness of seeing Steve Martin sing a Beatles mm. song about Maxwell Silverhammer. You don't like seeing Eddie Izzard sing the Beatles song? No, the him sing uh, the uh, Mr. Kite. I'm like, nah. I'm you can do other pretty things. obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> it, obnoxious is a good way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I have a clip here. I've always, I never, her, I don't listen to many Peter Frampton albums. So come alive, it comes alive is apparently the best live album ever. They say, oh. but uh, but here is the actual song that do you feel is <laughs> uh, is referencing. Oh, Someone threw something at his head in that clip. Oh, geez. Yeah, and he's like he's like lecturing them. It looks like a tennis ball. But that's if Homer doesn't screw it up, that's how it's supposed to happen when he says, do you feel? Well, there's a joke in uh, Wayne's World in that Wayne says, if you uh, were in the suburbs in the 70s, you own Frampton Comes Alive. It was sent out in the mail like samples of detergent. So it was very, very popular. I mangled that joke. I thought that was the same with like Fleetwood Mac's rumors of just like, no, they you have to have that album. That was I also love that Millhouse becomes that when Homer comes out, Millhouse becomes a total star fucker of just like Brian, I used to carpool with him. <laughs> they are also correct in that this episode's ending kind of has no oomph to it on yeah. the commentary. They they complain about that. That it's just like, well, will he get hit by a cannibal or not? He will not. And the then he'll hug his family. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had an appetite for destruction, and all I wanted was a club sandwich. There might be one in this cooler. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Oh, Oh, man. Homer wussed out. I'm so disillusioned. Hey, Hullabalooza isn't about freaks. It's about music and advertising and youth-oriented product positioning. (laughs) That and getting toasted. Nicely toasted. Homer, I'm sorry. There's nothing worse than a yellow-bellied freak, Mm -hmm. unless that's his act. I expect your letter of resignation on my desk. You have a desk? No, I mean the hood of my car. (laughs) I'll miss you, pumpkins, but I just can't share your bleak worldview. I've got too much to live for. We envy you, Homer. All we have is our music, our legions of fans, Mm -hmm. our millions of dollars, and our youth. Let's all go out and buy fur coats. I want to walk in humidor. <laughs> I mean, what we all, uh, so uh, 20 years later, uh, Billy Corgan bought 34 coats he wears at the same time. Yes, yeah. And uh, he really took advantage of that. They're very expensive. <laughs> yes, the only thing he doesn't have anymore is his youth, but he's still enjoying all the rest of it. I just, 
God damn it, the way that guy says humidor. Yeah, it's so bad. It's like he's never said the word humidor before. He doesn't know what it is. It's just fucking humidor. He was kicked out of the band uh, for a while because of drugs, Mm -hmm. but I think they let him back in. No, yeah, it's him. I mean, they they know now the people are going to pay more money for the original band together. It's the same with, like, Mm. Sting can go on tour and he'll sell some tickets. But if he gets back together all of police, they'll sell some more tickets. It's like at the drive-in playing at the Warfield a couple years back, but not with the original guitarist. But the way this episode uh, wraps up is uh, I do like just how lazy it is where Marge goes, they're designed to hurt. Yes. (laughs) It's just like... We, do we need Marge to say that? I just like that is what that is what solves the problem. It's like, oh, that cannon won't hurt you. Get out of the way. Yeah. And, and on the commentary, they say it's kind of weird. And from as a viewer standpoint, it is it's kind of weird that the cannon fires Mrs. Homer. We don't see what happens to the cannonball in an episode of The Simpsons. Like, it should cause destruction. Originally, it did. Bill Oakley's like, it knocked a bunch of stuff over, and it hit porta potties, and Skinner was in one of them, and he said something that wasn't funny, so oh. we, we cut it. So okay, yeah. So I guess we would have seen the the path of destruction the cannonball took. Uh, but they cut it out of the episode. It's better that they had something that happened there instead of – at least that they knew they needed to have something happen there as opposed to nothing. But it's kind of empty otherwise. You just hear a sound and it's – and again, it's just like they, they point out dramatically it just doesn't have the same oomph of like – and then he dodges it. And the end. <laughs> and Homer just shrugs like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't want to be rock and roll. I love my family and that was my emotional journey, right? It's, right. <laughs> this, this conversation in the car, though, I think really helps the episode recover and leaves it on yeah. a good note. I realized that being with my family is more important than being cool. Dad, what you just said was powerfully uncool. You know what the song says? It's hip to be square. That song is so lame. <laughs> so lame that it's cool? No. Am I cool, kids? No. Good, I'm glad. And that's what makes me cool. Not caring, right? No. Well, how the hell do you be cool? I feel like we've tried everything here. Wait, Marge. Maybe if you're truly cool, you don't need to be told you're cool. I'm sure you do. How else would you know? That is a cute ending about the nature of being cool, or at least trying to impress kids and let them think you're cool, that it's... It's mercurial and impossible, and no matter what you do, your parents can't be cool to a child. <laughs> like that, in the end, that's really it. I, I love Marge's consternation. She never swears. It's so rare she swears before the kids, but she's just so fed up. Like, well, how the hell do you be cool? Yeah, uh, I mean, again, I feel like the 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 commentary makes you want to think that this is like the the one of the bad episodes of season seven. I, I really, even though the story gets lost and it doesn't, it's not really there. It's still so much fun, and, and I think this really helps you forget that the resolution was just so weak and uh, kind of didn't make any sense. Yeah, it's more emotional. It gives some emotionality to it. I think I think they're a little too hard on the commentary. Maybe this is the weakest of the season, but that's just because the season was so damn good. Oh my good. god, I can't believe we are so far. No more season seven soon. Yeah, but oh. the, it, I'm glad they kind of recovered after this one to have Summer 4 Foot 2, which oh, is a... Amazing. A, one of the most amazing ones, but this is I mean, it's a star-driven episode, and you get good jokes about stars, and it really does encapsulate 
emulate what 96 was for alternative, corporate alternative music was anyway. What's more important is all of these stars will stay alive before we post this episode. So yep. that's what's yeah. even better. Uh, yeah. no, Peter Frampton, you, you seem pretty healthy. Yeah, he takes yeah. care of himself. Billy Corgan, take off t- three coats. Please. <laughs> it's getting hot out. It's summertime. Take some water. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, Lexi, how well does this sum up being a rock star for you? Oh, it. Uh, I would say not very much at all. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like it was recorded in like an empty space. Like there's only three bands out of these 48 that they promised. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You really can't smell the grass. It seems like they never left the city of Capital City, even yeah. though you see them stop almost in Cincinnati, <laughs> almost in Cleveland. Um, the rock star vibe, I don't know. These guys have millions of dollars. I guess post Napster, I can't comprehend that at all. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. like, what is your proximity to freaks uh, currently? Pretty minimal, but okay. I mean, could use more freaks. <laughs> I agree. Rock and roll needs more freaks. More freaks. The, you know, the trans mundane. <laughs> you know, that's a good point that they have. They spent the extra money for the master version of these songs, but shouldn't they sound live? Not just like off the record, like all this, all the songs they play are straight off of the album, which is, you know, mm-hmm. what the real version sounds like, but it, it doesn't sound live. That's a very good point. But yeah. when they arrive at the festival, there is that moment where they play the Simpsons theme in sort of a arena rock style that, yeah. that does feel for a moment there like you're really going to a festival. And I, I was going to festivals at like 14, so I kind of have that Bart Simpson feel about that. But ah. yeah, we didn't talk about festivals actually. Oh, yeah. uh, I was, I was never really a big fan of a festival. I like just going to a place and seeing a thing and then going home. But now I feel like my body couldn't couldn't take it. <laughs> it's like camping or something. Yeah. I would prefer to stay in bed than go to festivals. I say this before <laughs> I'm about to go to a festival. That's true. Uh, this Sunday I'm going to uh, Cluster Fest Ooh. in San Francisco, which is a comedy and music festival, though it's like eight bands and 900 comedians. Make sure so. to check out Las Culturistas while you're there. Mm. Okay. Great that. podcasters. I'm mainly going there for the podcast. I paid, I got a $100 ticket to listen to three live podcasts. It was it was not cheap. It came mm. with a $20 convenience fee. Like that's, uh, <laughs> Convenience fee. Make sure you so steal some of their watermelon while you're there. <laughs> that was an amazing giant watermelon they yeah. have. Like Peter Frampton knows how to buy watermelons. Totally. So uh, anything else about this episode we need to cover? I think that's it. It, uh, it did send me back down a rabbit hole of listening to the 90s alt-rock hits. So, which uh, I should have just bought one of those CDs on those commercials of just like all oh, the monster hits of the 90s. That's what I call music. So thanks for listening, folks. Uh, this has been Talking Simpsons. Let's talk to our special guest, Lexi, who is here and is a real rock star. You need to tell us where to find your music in your in your uh, YouTube series as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm in a band called The Y Axes. If you uh, want to go to a website, it's theyaxes.com. That's A-X-E-S. And uh, you can find my video series at Notion Beach. That's N-O-C-E-A-N Beach. And uh, I'm Alexi Belcher on Twitter. Alexi Belcher, that's Alex with an I and Belcher with an E at the end. Awesome. And we will go out with one of your band's songs because Sonic Youth has had their day in the sun. It's time to move on. (laughs) Thanks so much. Yeah, which song would you like, actually? I'd like uh, to play Meteorite because it's short. And it's fun. Cool. Yes. And please check out our music. It's really good. And uh, as for us, this entire network of shows is all Patreon supported. So if you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, you can get a whole lot at the $5 level. And I'll tell you what, 
Uh, if you subscribe for five bucks a month, you'll get this episode a week ahead of time and ad free every week, as well as our other uh, weekly podcast, What a Cartoon, which is basically doing this with a different episode of a different cartoon every week. Also, $5 level, you will get things like Talking Critic, Talking Futurama, all of our next miniseries because those are all Patreon exclusives. You also get season wrap-ups for Talking Simpsons, deleted scenes for seasons five and onwards, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, our monthly community podcast and interviews with amazing people like David Silverman and Bill Oakley and Mike Scully and Dan Graney and so many great people behind The Simpsons. Henry, what else am I missing here? Well, yeah, I did uh, want to just say it again that in the season wrap-up, we're coming up on the end of season seven, so you'll be hearing one of those soon. You can catch up on the ones for two, three, four, five, and six, and the seasons five, six, and soon-to-be seven deleted scenes are all there, and if you want to see a video version of the deleted scenes, as well as other videos me and Bob did, including our retro spectacus of the original <laughs> Simpsons shorts, you can get those at the $10 premium level. It's super worth it. There's already a great collection of them there, and we do a monthly video. Not to mention, we've got tons more cool stuff coming. We've got some big plans mm. for an L.A. trip. And, yeah, so check it all out, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And I've been your host, by the way. I'm Bob Mackey. I'm on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts every Monday. Go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts and whatever you use to download and listen to podcasts. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been going on since 2006. I say find a topic that interests you and download the corresponding episode. It's a smart thing to do, and it'll make your life better. Henry. I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Follow me there for updates about these episodes when they go live and other podcast news. And soon to be our tweets from beautiful, sunny Hollywood, California, where we're going to be doing some some podcast shenanigans there thanks to your support on Patreon thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week with the summer of 4 foot 2 and please enjoy the Y axes yay, yay.
I want to walk in humidor. <laughs>